Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we're in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) And that's okay. It's really okay. Wow, Candice, we're going to get personal today, aren't we? Are you ready for it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love when when we always kind of try to talk before we start recording about like what our first question is going to be to our guest and, and kind of, it's always like, who, what, what do you have? What do you have? And I love that I was leading in with why are we as a society so obsessed with, and you tried to fill in the blank with, with boobs, 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 but it's, <laughs> boobs. And we are obsessed with boobs as a society, <laughs> but uh, it was close. We're talking about breastfeeding today and uh, it would have to do with boobs for the most part. And and yeah, and we are just as obsessed with, you know, a parent as a parenting society with boobs and what comes out of them or doesn't come out of them. And we have this obsession with how we feed our children. I mean, how much of our conversation now that, you know, all of us are moms in our friend group revolves, especially around that first year of a baby being born about breastfeeding, bottles, schedules, diapers, you know, uh, steamed food, chopping food. 
every single thing is about food, 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 food. It's all we talk about. It's funny because I think one of the first things we bring up when someone announces that they're having a baby is, oh, are you going to breastfeed? Oh, how have you read this book? And uh, we're, we're trying to help each other. And then once someone has a baby, it's how's the breastfeeding going? That seems to be the topic that's always brought up. And I love our conversation today because we have learned through the course of all of our different friends having completely different experiences that it just depends on the mom and the baby and whatever works for them. I know for Poppy and I, I didn't read a lot of books. Candice, you know this. I've talked about this before. Didn't read a lot of books. Didn't go online. I was almost nervous to go online to research because sometimes I can, once I start, I can't stop. And so I knew it was better for me to not go down the wormhole. And I just thought, okay, people have been doing this for years and years. I know I can do it. And now in hindsight, I'm realizing that my experience was simple and easy. And I feel lucky that right away there was no problem. We didn't need a lactation consultant. Poppy was hungry and ready to go, um, which isn't always the case. If and when we have another child, who knows what that experience is going to be like for me. What was your first experience, Candace, compared to your second? Were they the same? Were they different? They were definitely different. What's funny is I had, you know, I obviously have talked on this podcast a lot about my obsession with birth and even I wanted an unmedicated birth and that resulted in me watching an obscene amount of unmedicated births on my YouTube page. My poor child, every time she'd just look for for funny, you know, little videos about kids playing with toys. It's like, ah, that's mommy's birthing channel. Don't look at that. Um, (laughs) Or or do, it's a circle of life, I know. (laughs) Um, But the thing I wasn't worried about, funny enough, I wasn't too stressed about breastfeeding. Mine was more about like the baby being born as opposed to breastfeeding. And I think it's because I had already, which I'll share a little bit more about later in this episode, but I'd already been prepared for whatever happens. I, I, you know, I'd learned from other um, mothers that, that maybe it hadn't worked out for. I actually had formula while I was pregnant waiting in the closet. So while I was buying diapers and wipes to prepare for baby, I also bought uh, Similac, like the newborn formula. And mm-hmm. I also just bought another formula because my fear was that I would get home. And what if all of a sudden I physically couldn't breastfeed? I emotionally couldn't breastfeed. I didn't want my baby to be hungry. And I just wanted to make sure that I had food. They need. I wanted my baby to be able to eat. So I wasn't that stressed about it. Um, Florence latched right away. You know, I had an obscene amount of milk. I like my freezer stash was insane. Um, but for me, what was interesting is I had such an easy time, relatively easy time breastfeeding. Um, but I also kind of I was the first in amongst our group of friends to really have a baby. Everyone at the time was getting married, it felt like. So I was on bachelorette trips and bridal party trips. And, and it was also leading up into the, it was the final season of the vampire diaries. So it was like every other weekend, there was another like dinner, you know, to commemorate the fact that this is our final season, you know, also meshed up with, I was working more hours than I'd had in a really long time because it was also the final season of the show. And I physically couldn't keep up. I was breastfeeding all night. I was working all day and pumping all day and I couldn't remember my lines at all. Like I was a shell of myself and 
And it just hit a point. I was like four months in and then I was going back to work and our our friends were getting married. And I just was like, I can't physically do it anymore. Like, I... I think that's it. So I, I and I it switched to formula and I felt great. I wonder if it's a four month thing, because that's exactly when I stopped as well. Four months. And I wonder if that's just something, a biological thing or where I was done. I could not do it anymore for work reasons. And I mean, just for myself as well. I thought, OK, I'm done. And I remember the day I packed the pump up and put it in the closet. And I was like, all right, here we go. I mean, it's it was it's yeah. funny. I think there is something about that three, four month range, because that's usually anyone who's breastfed and then just wants to switch to formula. That's kind of an organic time. Most of the women I know, the same thing is it was either they immediately went to formula or they like breastfed for the whole first year. But otherwise, it was that like three, four months. And I it is I would be interested to know, is that from because six weeks in your uterus has shrunk back to size, you know, three months in that's technically like your you know, past that like fourth trimester with baby. And so I don't know what it is, Mm. but, but needless to say, I, I, similar to you had a very easy experience. And with Josephine, I was in quarantine. I was prepared just to be like baby on the boob all the time. I wasn't leaving my house and it just was a little more complicated. I couldn't have had a better birth. The birth was my dream and she latched right away But my production wasn't as great. I don't know why. I don't know if it was, you know, emotional stress due to the pandemic and some other personal things going on. I don't know. I definitely know my hormones were dipping a little bit more throughout this pregnancy. Um, Also, like I had one boob that worked and one didn't. So she'd (laughs) eat like an ounce off of this tiny little like right boob. And then my left boob was like Pam Anderson, like given the show, you know, like. (laughs) All in it's that she so was like the worker boob. <laughs> How that happens to some people. One is just going nonstop and the other oh. is like, nah, I'm okay. I'm going to coast through this experience. <laughs> yeah. My left boob was like a gold medalist. All my like right boob was just in the stands being like, you got this. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I ended up having to go to a lactation consultant because she was fussy every time she was eating off me. And I, you know, I, so I get there and, And four months in and she looks at me and she's like, so how long have you been breastfeeding? And I was very wanting to avoid the lactation consultant because I didn't trust it. I was like, you're going to make me feel bad. And I already know what I want to do. And so before I could even say anything, you know, she said, how long have you been breastfeeding? I said four months. And she said, congratulations, you're doing great. That's it. So what do you want? Do you want to keep breastfeeding? Like if, if this isn't working, this is a great time to switch to formula. Do you need help? Do you have any questions about formula? And I just remember feeling this like sigh of relief that like, Mm. okay, you know, I'm not going to be judged. I'm not in trouble. I'm not going to be looked at like I'm a bad mom. I kind of just like don't want to do it anymore with the pandemic and my boobs aren't working anyway. And, And it worked out better for my daughter, too. She flourished on formula. She gained the weight she needed to gain because my boobs actually weren't producing enough milk for her. And I I feel like I got a sense of my life back to be able to not only be there for the rest of my family that needed me, but also for myself. And which just in turn makes, I think whenever, you know, you make sure to take care of yourself, it does make you a better parant. It just does. Absolutely. It it does. does. And it's hard to remember that sometimes, but this is such an important conversation to have. And a lot of people don't have it. It's just not had enough. And that's why we wanted to do an episode 
on this. So today we are going to sit down with Suzanne Barston, and she is the former editor-in-chief of Los Angeles Family Magazine and a freelance writer specializing in parenting, women's interests, and social health topics. She's the author of Bottled Up, How the Way We Feed Babies Has Come to Define Motherhood and Why It Shouldn't, and blogs as her alter ego, The Fearless Formula Feeder. Suzanne's writings and her work with FFF and Bottled Up has been featured in New York Times, The Huffington Post, SheKnows.com, Babbel.com, Pregnancy and Newborn Magazine, Parenting, Baby Talk. Oh, I could go on forever. She's incredible, you guys. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Suzanne Barston. Well, Susan, it's so funny. What we were just talking about off mic was the fact that uh, the conversation of breastfeeding or formula feeding um, is pretty timeless. I mean, you wrote your book 12 years ago and you even just mentioned that you can go back through it and see that not much has changed even in the last 12 years. (laughs) And so I'm just going to jump in with a very broad question and asking why as a society are we so obsessed with the way particularly a mother feeds their baby? That is like the trillion dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> I, um, you know, I think it, it comes down to there's this like mythical feeling about women and motherhood and how much we are responsible for the outcomes of our children. Right. And I mean, I think you you can't deny that we are. I think that's a great thing about motherhood. But at the same time, there's so many other factors that play into like who your offspring is when they grow up. But we haven't gotten away from this like really fundamental belief that the mom is the one who's responsible for every outcome. And I think that because so many other things have been like outsourced, in society for parenting, like, you know, a lot of us go back to work and a lot of us are not in traditional relationships when we have babies. This is like the one thing that people have been able to hold onto that is that kind of traditional idea of like what a mother should be. So that's the only way that I've been able to wrap my head around it. Because like when you talk to other moms, I think we all kind of understand past a certain point in our child's life that like, you know, how you feed them matters for the first couple of years, but then like there's a million other things that come in and affect things. But while we're in that kind of heightened emotional time of that first year, it becomes like the be all end all, you know, it's like the only thing that you, it's really the only thing they do is like eat sleep and poop right (laughs) so like sleep we know we have no control over pooping you don't have any control over (laughs) but feeding you do so like we're kind of complicit in it as mothers society is complicit in it because of these like you know traditional beliefs and I think those two things come together and just create like this perfect storm for an obsession I know Candace and I have really shared um, our experiences on this podcast as well and feeding and the first few months of it. I have one child, so I've experienced it once. Candace has experienced it twice. And I think um, it's it's wildly more difficult than you would expect. And it doesn't matter how many times you have the conversation before you go through it. You can only prepare so much. It's instinctual. And um, I was wondering if you'd be willing to share your experience 
uh, feeding your first yeah. child? Of course. Yeah. So, you know, LA, yes. obviously, yeah. and that's where my first, actually both my kids were born in LA, but, um, you know, at the time, even like a little over a decade ago, it was very much kind of the hotbed of like natural parenting. Right. So when I got pregnant, I didn't really know anybody in my friend circle who had had a child. I had one cousin who had, um, a child, like maybe nine months before I had my first, but other than that, like I had zero social interaction with moms. So all the moms I were, I was meeting were, um, through like prenatal yoga and the jobs I was doing at the time, which I was writing for a lot of like natural, um, nutrition and parenting websites. Cause I'm, I'm a journalist. And, uh, so because of that, like everybody I knew was adamantly pro breastfeeding and we actually had signed up my husband and I to be part of this online kind of reality show documentary thing for Pampers. And one of the first questions they asked me when I was like maybe four months pregnant at the time um, was, you know, are you planning to breastfeed? Because that's going to be an important part of this of this narrative. And I, of course, said yes. Um, and, you know, I, I realized like I had never actually thought about what that meant. Like I said yes, because as I said, everybody in my social circle was pro breastfeeding. Everybody around me was breastfeeding. But I never thought about the fact that like, None of my close friends had been through this. My mom hadn't breastfed. I had never really been exposed to what that actually meant in reality. So had my son and we had like every problem <laughs> that could possibly happen, happened during his birth. Um, he was like growth restricted and we didn't, we didn't find that out until 38 weeks. And then like they rushed me in for an emergency induction and then his heart rate dropped and you know, all that great stuff. By the time he was born, like 19 hours later, I was a basket case, like total emotional wreck. And, um, pretty much like went full force into postpartum depression. Like the second the placenta was delivered, which is bizarre, but true in my case. Um, so the first time they gave him to me to feed, was this moment of like utter panic, right? Because I was already feeling emotional. And I think then I had this realization that like, okay, I had signed up to do this. I was all like gung-ho, but what did this actually mean? <laughs> you know, and now I have this baby at my breast. I have no idea what to do. He couldn't latch. You know, I'm sure you've been through it. The, the lactation mm -hmm. consultants and nurses come every couple of hours. I already hadn't slept for 20 hours. And, you know, kept trying to get him to latch. Wasn't happening, wasn't happening. Ultimately, we went home. I had lactation consultants come to our house, spend the day with us, try to figure it out. Like, nobody could figure it out. Um, they told us to get his tongue tie fixed. We went to some like back alley dentist to, oh to do that. Still didn't help. We tried like, you know, nipple shield, literally everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think finally, one of the lactation consultants just kind of gave up and was like, you know what? you're going to need a pump. So I exclusively pumped for him again in the heart of postpartum depression. So like, even when I was, you know, those moments where I wanted to be bonding with him and feeding him, I couldn't because I had to go pump to make the mm -hmm. food. And my husband was the one who got to like sit there and hold the baby and be cuddly. So I wasn't getting anything out of it, you know, except guilt and grief and stress. And then he was sick all the time, like just 
horrifically, the diapers were, I mean, it's like not safe for work. I mean, <laughs> like disgusting, right? Like oh blood, the whole gosh. thing. Yeah. And so eventually we found out that like he was allergic to what they assumed was dairy or soy. So um, I was actually vegan at the time, still am. And so I had wasn't consuming any dairy, but I cut out soy, which left me with basically like bread and water to eat. And so, wow. you know, they also tell you like, avoid vegetables because yeah. they can make them gassy <laughs> and whatever. So I'm like, oh my you know, God. starving. Um, and then finally we had one allergist who was like, you know what, just for shits and giggles, like, let's just put them on hyperallergenic formula for 48 hours. You're pumping anyway. It's not going to hurt your supply. Let's just try it. So we did. And within 24 hours, he was a totally different baby. Mm. Like for the first time, his eyes were bright. He looked at me, he made eye contact. He wasn't crying. He wasn't sick. So at that point, it was like a light bulb went off. Like, you know what? This is crazy. What am I doing this for? Like every sign in the world is telling me this is not the best thing for my child. Might be the best thing for the majority of children, but it's not for me. And so we switched totally to formula. I stopped pumping and life just got exceedingly better. It's funny. I actually, before I was, well, actually I was technically pregnant with my first, but I just wasn't telling anyone yet. Um, And I was visiting a friend who had a new baby and she was like three weeks in and she was feeding him formula and telling me, yeah, I, I finally just gave in to feeding him formula because guess what? Like my boobs never produced milk. And everyone tried to tell me, well, you're mm-hmm. not doing it right. Well, you're not holding it right. Well, you're not holding your baby right. Well, maybe you need more supplements. Well, maybe you need to drink this, you know, milk that's all or whatever it is. And and she, I just distinctly remember her saying, like, I wasted all this time, like, trying to fix, create a solution when there was a perfectly good one right in front of me. And everyone kept saying, no, you're broken. You're broken. You're broken. When it's like, no, sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, sometimes people go in to have a baby and they need physical assistance to get the baby out. And sometimes, you know, breast milk doesn't come. This is a long history of not everyone produces breast milk. And so from that, I I was so grateful going into my own journey that anytime I was considering like, yeah, I want to breastfeed. If I can, I want to. But I had that little nugget in the back of my head of like, if I can, because not everyone can. And we've kind of been put under the assumption that you should because you automatically can. And so obviously this experience for you, Suzanne, led you to just kind of doing a deep dive on breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. the history of formula feeding. Um, Is this around the time when you started your blog? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I say, life got totally better when I, when I switched, but what didn't get better is all of a sudden I realized like my whole mommy social circuit was imploding around me because I wasn't breastfeeding. So the only groups that you're like able to go to before your baby's six weeks old, at least at the time were breastfeeding support groups. So like that was where I had my social life. Right. And all of a sudden I wasn't nursing or trying to nurse anymore. So I wasn't welcome there. And when my baby was eligible to go to like the mommy and me classes, I would go and I would be the only one pulling out a bottle. And just like you said, Candace, it was like everybody had an opinion and everyone had, they were all trying to of be course. helpful, you know, but it was, 
oh, well, my my cousin learned to relactate after, you know, her baby grew out of the dairy allergy. So maybe you should try again in a couple months. And, um, you know, did you try like cutting out this food? And did you try this position? Or I have this great lactation consultant. And I just got so tired of trying to explain myself all the time. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. 
One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back. I think the thing with all of this is that everyone's going to have their opinion, but truthfully, only you know what's best for you and your baby. And I know that people are trying to help by sharing what's worked for others. But I think what is missing sometimes is the idea that maybe you're just okay with what's happening right now and you don't need the help. And people continue continuing to share their ideas is actually just hindering you. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, but like, I found myself in the situation where that's a great point, because if I think I was totally confident, I probably would have just been able to brush it off and be like, you know what, this is what works for me. And I've met people since that are like that. And that's amazing. If you can have that confidence, I didn't, you know, I still, I I still in my head felt like something had been fundamentally wrong with me that, Mm. you know, not only could I not get him to latch, but I also was producing milk that made my child sick. So, you know, and there was nothing that I had heard in my prenatal education that made me feel like this was even a remote possibility. So like, what the heck could possibly be wrong with me that this happened? So because of that, like, because of feeling lonely and just not confident, I started doing my own Googling, right? And we all know like Dr. Google, (laughs) not a good scenario. Everything that I found was, you know, like the first 75 hits were why formula is bad, you know, and why the myth of, of not producing enough milk and the myth of not having a baby that can latch and the myth of this. So as I said, I was a journalist and a lot of the work I did was in healthcare and nutrition. So I knew how to read studies as I, you know, kind of dug into these articles and started hate reading them, (laughs) you know, like two in the morning when the baby was up, I would realize like they were all citing the same studies. So I went on and I, you know, got a login to PubMed and went on and did my own reading and realized that, you know, whether it was a journalist or a blogger, they were misquoting a lot of these, the the scientific literature. They were misquoting it. They were misinterpreting it. Um, And even to the point where what was really interesting is you would see it misinterpreted in one place and then you would see somebody else citing that paper or that article as evidence for their argument in another place. And it really struck me as troubling, you know, that this is what we're basing all of our information on and information that's being given to women again at like the time in their life where they're most vulnerable. So I started blogging about it because I just wanted to like show people what the studies actually said, you know, and just in a very logical layperson way. Um, cause you know, as I think we've seen in 2020, like 
science can be hard and <laughs> science communication can be very hard. Um, so, and there's a lot of like, well, I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. Um, so yeah, I started blogging about it. And at first it was really just about the studies, you know, and like the science side of it. But very quickly people were coming onto the blog and again, this is a decade ago. So like blogs were still a thing. It wasn't Instagram or Facebook. And um, people were leaving comments and the comments would be these like devastating stories of, you know, people who had just it made my situation look like a cakewalk, you know? And mm-hmm. so then I started having people like guest blog every week and just write out their stories, which became this like really, really powerful thing for women across the world because it was a place where they could kind of unload and get out what happened to them. But then they would get the support of all these people who were flocking to the blog and commenting, usually very positively. We always had the trolls too, but you know, and it became like this sisterhood very quickly of women who had tried and failed, or we felt like we failed. And then as time went on too, I realized like we were spinning our own problematic narrative because all of us were sitting here saying like, well, no, we're okay because we did all of these things before we gave up. So it's okay. And I started hearing from women who were like, you know what? I, I didn't even try because of X, Y, and Z, or I didn't even try. And it's really not your business. Why? Because it was the right choice for me. And then I had to kind of do a double take on myself and, and realize like, I still harbored my own judgments, you know, like, we, we all have these kind of deep seated opinions of what other people are doing, even if we think we don't, um, you know, and it's, it, it was a good lesson for me too, to realize like, okay, every, every mom has a story, right. And every, every mom has their reasons for doing what they do. And honestly, at the end of the day, all that matters is that mom loves their child and is doing what they think is best. For them. I think that's a hard intersection of parenting is that one, obviously you need community like you just do mm-hmm. it, 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 whether right. it's like the, Hey, I I'm breastfeeding and I feel lonely. Can you just talk on the phone with me or the, Oh my gosh, I have a flat tire and my kids at soccer and I just need someone to pick them up. Like there, you just need community and parenting. Um, but then a yes. difficult element of that is what comes into play is also needing I think like seeking a sense of approval from the community that you build of parenting uh, of your parenting group. And do you want to know that like, you know, even for me personally, I have a a baby that's almost one and she, is she technically eating what I see on Pinterest? What babies who are her age are eating? No, because I'm excuse my French, (laughs) uh, but I'm fucking terrified of giving her a blueberry. I don't want to give her a blueberry. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) But everyone's saying that they give their babies blueberries. And and so I'm trying to convince myself by finding other information that serves me that like, okay, no, like the Mm -hmm. mashed foods at this stage are what make me comfortable and it's comfortable for baby. And but I think that this happens with any sort of, of feeding your child that you it's like, hey, you know, I can't breastfeed and I and I have to formula feed. But so we're, I'm only going to focus on why that's OK. And so I love that you just said that, that like getting to a point where it, it you don't need the reasons it it's rooted in exactly what you were saying earlier, Kayla, that, you know, you as the parent of this child that you are raising in the world, that intuition can be strong. And unless someone is with you every single step of the way, then it's hard for anyone to have an, a, like a, a big opinion on how 
it needs to be improved unless you're seeking that out, of course, unless you're seeking that out. And you know, what's so interesting when I think about it too, is like, I go back and I, I read the blog and God, this is problematic in so many ways. Like just in terms of like being really, you know, gender specific and all of these things. And then I think, okay, well, we've evolved, right? Like the conversation has evolved. Parenting, like the community of parenting has evolved to be so much more inclusive than it was Mm -hmm. before. But yet this like very kind of biological imperative is still something that causes moms so much angst, right? And like, I think about the, the, you know, father, father, like gay couples who are adopting children. And, you know, I've heard stories where they're getting pressure to get pumped milk or um, donor milk, you know, pumped Mm -hmm. donor milk from, yeah, like to buy it or to find it. We've gotten so far in so many ways. And yet this one thing still tends to be like so divisive and just, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. When I was first planning to um, have a child, I stayed off the internet a lot um, because (laughs) I, I, now that we're having this conversation, I'm realizing there was a fear that once I started, I wouldn't be able to stop. And, you know, we talk about getting, uh, you know, sucked down the wormhole of information and even Candace took me to a Barnes and Noble and was like, you need this book, you need this book, you need this book. And then would constantly ask me, have you opened that book? And I would say, I haven't yet. And I, there was this, and now in hindsight, my daughter's too, I think there was this fear surrounding it that if I knew some information, I needed to know it all. And other people's opinions terrified me because I was so yeah. scared that I wasn't going to quote unquote do it right. And we're learning now that really doing it right is just whatever you do. Because guess what? At the end of the day, if baby is healthy and happy and sleeping and pooping, it's going to be fine. It's okay. And we learn that, but we only learn that with experience. And you're right, Candace. the community is so important. And I think, Suzanne, that's why... Fearless formula feeder just exploded is because there wasn't a community for moms that were formula feeding, which yeah. is crazy to me that the, the Internet is so expansive. But yet this one topic didn't have a lot of honest information. Yeah. And so I'm so grateful that you have that out there, even if it's evolved throughout the years. It's so wonderful that there's a community there for moms like this and, and dads. You're right for anyone that decides to formula feed because guess what? It's probably half of us that are formula feeding for whatever reason, people just don't feel confident sharing the information, but now they do clearly. Can you take us through how it's evolved now? You spoke a little bit on that. When I started the whole purpose to your point is like, was just to get a community going and to get people talking about this because you're right. I think a lot of people are using formula at some part in their feeding journey and just not talking about it. Or the other thing I realized is like, because it was so divisive, it was exclusive breastfeeding or like formula power, right? (laughs) There was no in between. But for most of us, it's somewhere in between. Like I'm someone who did both. A lot of people do both, right? So um, the community kind of extended over into Facebook, like as blogging was phasing out and social media was phasing in. Um, And then we actually started a private Facebook group that was an offshoot of Fearless Formula Feeders public page, which became actually more, um, I think, of a community because people felt freer off the public site to really express themselves. Because, you know, look, it's Facebook and on a public site, you get a lot of negativity. And it was getting to the point at times where the negativity was more than the 
the positivity. Mm -hmm. And that was never my intention. So I actually, as my kids got older, kind of backed out of the the social element of this um, because I just felt like I wasn't close enough to it. And there's so much, there's so much anger and passion and fear and sadness around this that I felt like the further I got away from it, I was getting too logical, if that makes sense. And like, so I was trying to, (laughs) trying to kind of pivot the conversation into logical places where it really needed to just be a place for people to vent and find support from others. So I backed out and let some admins um, that I trusted take over and they have continued to um, foster that community. And it's, it's been great, I think for a lot of women. And then for me, I tried to focus more on once the book was published, really reaching like the healthcare community and trying to change from within, because I felt like a lot of what I was seeing could be countered if women were getting better, more inclusive information at the beginning of mm-hmm. the journey, right? So like during pregnancy or directly after. And so I actually went and became a certified lactation consultant just so I could kind of understand what LCs were being taught in their training and realized there was a lot that I, I think was, you know, maybe causing some problems. Um, and try to kind of get into those circles and help the people who are helping women breastfeed, help those mothers to be more accepting of like, if things aren't going great, formula is an option, right? Mm-hmm. And I forget if it was Candice or Kayla who said this, but like, there's, there's something if you go in to this with the knowledge in your head that like, oh yeah, I have an out. This isn't, this isn't going to break me or my child's right. Like this is just one thing I'm going to do it. Cause I want to do it. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If I've seen, and this is totally anecdotal, but we had like a huge majority of women who were on fearless formula feeder with their first, and then went on to breastfeed their second child and had great experiences doing it because they went in with no pressure and knowing that they had like a nice soft place to land, you know? And, um, I think that to me, like that was the ultimate success of what we did. If Mm. somebody could go into their second child, whether or not they decided to breastfeed or formula feed to go in and have like no drama (laughs) and no angst with the second baby. I did for a while start to try to build momentum around the baby friendly hospital what's it called? Baby friendly family friendly hospital family friendly. program. Yes, that was what I called it. But the original oh. one is baby friendly hospital initiative. So BFHI um, still happening now. I think in my mind, this is like the root of, of all evils in this situation. Um, just because what it does is it creates this kind of false dichotomy between exclusive breastfeeding and the evils of like the formula industry, right? Instead of being about let's support each family in doing what works for them, for advocating for breastfeeding, making sure that women have everything they need to be able to breastfeed successfully. Because look, it is, I mean, learning to breastfeed is a, that, that's a skill and it's something that requires help. Learning to formula feed, as long as you have like some good basic information, you don't need someone to help you do that. <laughs> you know, like you just follow the directions. I think there's we can't really like rely on the formula companies to give us all the information. I think that healthcare providers should be giving that as well, but if that's like a, a worksheet, mm-hmm. right? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be, you don't need a formula consultant. What these programs do is they basically incentivize hospitals for 
the number of women who leave exclusively breastfeeding. But as I'm sure the three of us know, like, you're, you're kicked out of the hospital, you know, within like 24 to 48 hours, the C-section maybe a little longer. (laughs) Yeah. But like babies are barely eating at that point. So usually the problems don't start till after you're out and then you're alone or you have to try to access lactation support. And for like women who are low income or who don't have, you know, who live in rural areas and don't have resources available to them, that's pretty crappy. Mm. Right. So like, then you're totally on your own maybe without a partner to help you and you're expected to figure this out. But yet, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, there's also a factor here for a lot of our listeners. We have some younger listeners on this podcast who maybe have not gone through this yet. Mm -hmm. There is a factor of postpartum that's going on here while you're experiencing this that um, is, you just feel highly emotional. Everything is up and down. You have no control over your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts. It is probably the most sensitive you've ever felt in your lifetime. And so any little thing that goes wrong feels so much bigger. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you are having a hard time comprehending, we understand, we get it. You don't understand until you go through it. And that's okay too. I just want to pinpoint that so people understand that if and when you decide to go through this, um, you'll have an aha moment and you'll go, oh, this is what they were talking about. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's such a great point. And it's like, it's another one that needs to be made, right? Because we we can't take the postpartum part of this away from the discussion, right? And like, that is, I mean, you are, especially for a first time mom, right? I mean, your whole world just totally changes. It's crazy. Like, it is crazy. I remember that feeling of just, okay, yesterday I was me. And today I am a completely different human being, completely different soul, you know? And I'm responsible for this life. And it is just, even if you are someone, and I'm someone who went through several miscarriages, like I tried, it was like, there was work involved in getting and staying pregnant. I wanted that baby, but you still like, it's just, it's mind blowing, whether it's positive or negative and your postpartum experience, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Biology is wild. You cannot take that. (laughs) Biology is wild. What I'm really interested in also diving into a bit is, is the reality of formula. Like then what are the pros of formula Mm -hmm. in all your research that you did and, and wanting to kind of take away this negative connotation of, uh, the big bad formula wolves that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, because I too have had really positive experiences with formula. I've also evolved from my having my first child to having my second child in kind of seeing, you know, maybe food that I was a little bit more relaxed on with my first child and, and just kind of paying a little bit more attention with my second child. I think that it can be natural with the evolution of parenting as well, unfortunately. Um, but there, but there are positives and then there are the realities that like you go on the news and you see recalls, you know, or you see that yeah. uh, certain metals are being found in certain products that are that are whether it's baby food or baby formulas. So that does exist. Yeah. I mean, parents do have reason to take note of that going on in the world. So um, from your yeah. research, can you I know that that's a lot to throw at you at once, but no, not at all. Yeah, no, it's a great topic. Um, so a couple of things. I think, again, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's it's relative risk, right? Like we all have our own perceptions of risk. And I think for formula, it's an important one to think about because there are risks involved. You're right. Like let's take um, one of the things you mentioned. So a recall, right? Like there are recalls that happen. 
to me, I actually think that's a positive thing because to me, that means there's somebody out there, whether it's the FDA or the formula company watching their quality control to make sure that if something goes wrong, it's immediately rectified. And it's very, very rare that that happens to the extent it's usually for something like, um, you know, a, a batch was missing some additional nutrient. Like it's very rare that something happens where it's actually putting babies at harm. It's more just from like a product integrity point of view. So that's one thing. I think in terms of like the ingredients, that's a very real concern. And I think what's great is that even since I had my babies, there are more formulas on the market. People are getting more knowledgeable about you know, the types of ingredients and genetically modified ingredients and whatever it is that they're concerned about. There are options out there that answer those concerns. You know, I know for a while people were importing European formulas into this country. Now there's products like the Bobby, which is a new formula on the market, which very much emulates like the European the hip formulations. Yeah. But I also just want to say that there's, there are risks and I, this conversation is tough because again, like you're talking minimal, but there's risks with breastfeeding too. And I think that's the thing that like, this conversation gets so loaded because you never want to make it seem like you're discouraging women for doing something that is a beautiful, amazing thing, right? But if you're going to look apples to apples, there's things that are found in breast milk, like environmental toxins that go through the mom, right? That doesn't stop us from breastfeeding. So same thing with formula. I look at it, I'm like, well, if you're going to worry about the things in formula, that's controllable. Like we actually can't really control what the environment's doing to our bodies. We can control what the companies are putting into formula. So you can use your advocacy. You can use your, you know, import as a consumer to pressure them to do things better. And that's not to say that I think the ingredients that are in formula now are bad. I think, you know, look, it's it, like anything. We all prefer natural things. We, you know, don't want to see things like high fructose corn syrup, but when it comes down to it, do those things actually harm our children? There's no evidence that they do in the ways that they're formulated within formula. But again, it's preference. So great to have options on the market. But I just think, you know, a lot of the risks of formula are overblown. And I think part of that is there's like an inherent distrust of, you know, kind of the the patriarch, what people see as like a patriarchal capitalist society. And that's where a lot of the breastfeeding rhetoric comes out of, right? Like back in the seventies where people were seeing Nestle, for instance, do really terrible things, um, you know, and trying to switch people to breastfeed or to formula feeding in under-resourced countries and then leaving and they don't have formula to feed their babies and babies starved or formula was being mixed with contaminated water in these countries where they don't have good adequate water sources and babies were dying. Like, horrible, horrible things that out of that came a lot of this kind of breast is best, natural is best Mm. kind of rhetoric. And that isn't always true. Like, well, especially if a mother, yeah, if a mother is in deep, deep postpartum depression and, or if, you know, needs to go back to work and can't, you know, juggle. I mean, the fact that there's like breastfeeding is not the time to breastfeed isn't really or pump is not allotted at work like drives me nuts it's a whole other thing there's actually yeah. a great book i always like to repeat it's a whole other conversation is work pump repeat and it's a it has oh yeah i i, I, I think it's important well. to <laughs> always have like a sheet of paper yeah. for your boss to be like this is my legal right but that's my soapbox statement for two yeah. seconds hey guys we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back in just a minute 
it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. back sometimes emotionally physically you know you need to take care of mama to take care of baby and if you are not functioning properly and the method to functioning properly is maybe sleeping more or being able to eat the food that you're being told not to eat because it disagrees with your baby's Mm -hmm. stomach or it's just not for you like all of those things should be okay and the point being like i i know what you're kind of coming back to is also that like if breastfeeding works for you that's great too like it should all just be okay you breastfed your second child correct i did for a little bit but we combo fed pretty much from the combo fed yeah so okay so what was your first experience different than your second experience were they pretty much the same was it what how did you evolve as your second time being a mom having gone through the um first experience yeah so I think for me, the, the biggest key was the postpartum depression thing. I, um, I, you know, as I said, I had it immediately and I had it bad. Um, and so the, the thing that, that fixed that for me was medication. Um, and for that both was another children? reason for, well, for my first and for first. my second. So for my second, I actually was afraid of having a second child because I was concerned that I would get postpartum again. And, you know, I think if you've had more than one, like you you almost can't imagine loving your second the way that you love your first, right? And obviously that is so not true. My daughter's listening, not true. Um, but, you know, at the time I was like, oh my God, how could I do this to my to my baby who I already felt? It took me a long time to get over that guilt of like, I missed the first few months of his life because emotionally I was just not there, right? So I was worried. And so I like had worked with the therapist um, to have like a game plan going into pregnancy and childbirth. and basically part of that plan was I would start my medication the second I gave birth. So we were not going to take any risks. Um, and you know, and I was reassured that like, it was a low enough dose that if I wanted to nurse, um, that was okay. But, um, 
I think that made a huge difference for me. I remember, you know, it was that. It was also the fact that it was my second child. And so like that life change that I talked about before didn't happen. I was already a mom, you know? So like, I don't know about others, but I, I think for me, that was, that was a big, big, heavy shift, right? So like with number two, that wasn't there. It was just more like, oh God, here's another one. What do we do with this? But I remember, you know, feeling like that black cloud come down on me after my son was born. And with my daughter, like she was born and it was just like, I always think about the music that was playing when she was born. And it was um, Dog Days by Florence Mm -hmm. and the Machine. Mm -hmm. And like, just that, like the levity of that song, it's just like, it almost makes me cry. Like just thinking about how happy I was when she was born and just the light that, you know, was in the room and how excited I was. And when she latched on, how it was like this moment of just not like it felt really natural, you know, and it was just like this beautiful moment versus my son where, you know, it just felt wrong from the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I think the other thing was I went in with the knowledge, like we had brought formula with us. We weren't messing around, you know, like didn't, cause it was a baby friendly hospital. I knew they couldn't give it to me. So we already talked to our pediatrician. We had our little bottles nearby. And so we didn't have to let her get hungry. We didn't have to let her freak out. And then, you know, she couldn't latch because she was too hungry. So by combo feeding, it like took all the, the risk and the, um, the fear out. And there was just the reward, right. Which was like, I got to have these beautiful moments with my newborn that I hadn't had the first time around. So, um, it was, it was pretty awesome. What are you think, I mean, just the broad most positive things? I mean, you're talking about breastfeeding and formula feeding. Um, Can you just share your personal positives of each one that you take away from those, both of those experiences? To me, it's interesting. Like I don't see that much of a difference between the two other than, this is going to sound silly, but like other than the convenience methods, right? Like the convenience of the methods, because It is. It's just once you have breastfeeding down, it's much easier, right? Than having to think about like, oh shoot, I forgot. I mean, God, I cannot tell you how many times I forgot formula or forgot a bottle or whatever it was. (laughs) I think I had to like run back to the house. In both cases, like, you know, you're still holding your baby close. You're still looking at them. You're still feeding them. Like that part was beautiful no matter what. Um, I will say I really like the fact that with and you can do this with, with pumped milk as well, but with any kind of bottle feeding, being able to hand over your baby, if you are having a rough day or you are at work, you know, or whatever, there's a freedom in that, that I think is really great. And another reason why I think like we have to be inclusive of all feeding methods and understand that it doesn't have to be all or nothing because that gives women the freedom to figure out what works for them. And then that's going to be a much more positive experience for mom and baby. Right. So like if you're stressed out going back to work, I went back to work three days after I had my baby. So that is so soon. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was freelancing. So it was like you either work or you don't get money. Absolutely. No, I'm so, that's amazing. I'm so impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, you know, things like that, it's like, okay, if you're so stressed about that, then that, then you're like, and I have so many friends who have been through this, they go back to work they're still trying to get their supply up and then they're home and they feel like they have to do marathon Mm -hmm. nursing all night to keep up their supply because they're not getting enough out of the pump. And then they're up all night and then they're going to work exhausted. And it's just like this 
awful cycle. So I do think having the option of formula is great in terms of it being like an equalizer for both parents to pitch in. Again, does not mean that you can't do it without, but I think that was like a positive that I that I saw. I would love to uh, ask you about your hashtag I support you campaign, yeah. because this is such a beautiful thing that has come out of all of this. I know that it's mothers that submit their stories and photos saying that we all live different lives, but we're all in this together. Can you what inspired you to create it? How's yeah. it going? How can we be a part of this community? Yeah. So, um, this was just an interesting one. So this was started with, um, two other bloggers at the time, one who you might remember Jamie Lynn, she was on the cover of time magazine, uh, breastfeeding her. I think he was three at the time. Oh, right. Of course. Yes, That's such an iconic time magazine. It cover. Is, it sure is. So, um, she and I met, I think we met through I forget. It was one of these like mom conferences and we both were there. I feel like that's where we first met or maybe she reached out, but regardless, we, we met up. Um, and I think, you know, she was somebody who had a very strong presence in, in the exclusive breastfeeding community, but she was very like just a cool woman and very much like you do what works for you. So we had joined with another blogger, um, Kim Simon, who had also gotten some kind of viral notoriety for some of the articles she had written um, at the time. And the three of us came together and we wanted to create a campaign around uh, breastfeeding week that was like super inclusive of everybody, because that was the time we saw a lot of kind of negativity and vitriol going back and forth. And it was really sad because it should be something we should all support because the whole purpose of breastfeeding week is to give more women the ability and access and all these things we're talking about with pumping and whatnot, you know? So we came up with this idea of like, let's do something that's about supporting each other. Right. And that's where I support you came from. And we, we were pretty active with it for a couple of years. Again, it's, you know, something that as time went on has like disappeared. I think the ethos behind it is still very much alive, but you know, we, we, kind of all moved on to other things. So we never really did much with it after the first three years. Um, but those three years were pretty powerful. And I think it was, it meant something to all of our respective communities for them to see us come together like that. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was backlash. I mean, at first, I think people in the, on the formula side were like, oh, you're, you know, you're siding with the enemy. <laughs> It's just so, so crazy, crazy when you think That's about it. That's the but point like, of the campaign though. Yeah. Yeah. That was totally the point of the campaign and vice versa. Like how can you work with the fearless formula feeder to Jamie? And it's just, that was not what it was about to us, you know? And I think like we even went to, there was this blocking the name of it, but it was like a natural parenting conference that was really big for years. And now I cannot remember. It actually ended with like the owner having some it turmoil. Some, yeah, some big drama. But <laughs> anyway, it was really big at the time. And I was on the circuit for a little while. And it was like a very uncomfortable place for me to be because it was all natural parenting and a ton of people who I had probably gotten into fights with online, you know, um, mm -hmm. in that someone on the internet is wrong <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> um, but, you know, meeting people face to face, I think, and having those discussions and that, I mean, to your point, Kayla, about like staying off the internet, that's, that's powerful, right? Because like so much of this is because of the internet. It's a wonderful thing. And that that's how we all were able to find community. Right. But at the same time, like it's also, I think you get this false sense of what everybody is feeling, right? Because 
I remember coming back to, I live in Illinois now, but we would come back to visit and like the people I met thought exclusive breastfeeding meant like three months. And then, you know, and like, meanwhile, you're supplementing. Whereas in LA, it meant mm-hmm. two years and you don't supplement at all. Right. But because I was online all the time and in LA, like that's all my world was. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, being able to get offline and talk to people face to face was really powerful, even though it was like a hashtag and an internet activation. I think there were kind of in-person events and in-person relationships that happened because of it that actually created a lot of um, understanding and love between the communities. And I still, to this day, have like several doula, lactation consultant friends um, who I adore, you know, and we still support each other because of that. Well, I I feel that especially having a second child that I've evolved in my uh, advice that I give out to friends who are having babies and hopefully has learned to to shut my mouth a little bit more (laughs) because I was the opposite. I read every article you could ever read. I bought every single book. Um, I watched every single YouTube video of a live birth I could. Like I become really obsessive. As the first person kind of amongst our group of friends to have a baby, I I just felt like, oh my gosh, I wish I had known all these things. And so I must subject you to all this knowledge that I have accumulated and, and worn in my, you know, pregnancy backpack for the last year and a half. Um, but yeah. now I've learned you do need to make the space for everyone to figure it out. And unless someone is literally asking you, hey, what time does your child go to bed? Or, hey, what is that food company you liked? Or that, you know, boppy thing? Like, and let, that's the only time you give like an actual factual answer. And the rest of the time is really like trying to just listen. It's really about listening and being the best supportive, you know, person and support community you can for the parents who are bringing this child into the world and raising them, especially in that first year. Um, what in that kind of person to person, if you just can't hold yourself back from giving a piece of advice, what is a good supportive um, thing that you can say mother to mother or parent to parent for someone who is uh, beginning a breastfeeding journey or a formula journey or any sort of food into baby journey? I think it comes down to the hashtag. It's how can I support mm-hmm. you? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is what it comes down to. It's no matter what you're doing, you're going to need support. So how can I be that for you? It's so beautifully put. And it is so simple. And sometimes simple is best. And listening, I think that's the key too, is really listening and taking the cues from those that are going through it. Because sometimes people do say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But their body is telling you otherwise. So figuring out as a friend how you can be there for that person is so lovely. Well, Suzanne, I mean, I just loved this conversation. I know we've thoroughly enjoyed having you on. We are so grateful that you sat down with us today and had this conversation. It's an important conversation to have that people don't talk about. So thank you for being brave and bold and starting your blog and writing your book. Um, If our listeners want more, 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 where can they find you on social media and all that good stuff? Sure. They can find me on Twitter. It's pretty much the only place I hang out these days. <laughs> and um, it's uh, just at Suzanne Barston. Um, and obviously the, the book is still out there um, on Amazon and uh, a, hopefully a, a good source of information and solace if you're going through this or have someone that is. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Do you actually challenge?
I know, Kayla, I obviously was did the exact opposite thing of what I now know to do when your friend tells you that she's pregnant. Don't drag her to a bookstore and buy her 20 books. However, I will say maybe, but maybe just Amazon them because this is a great book to Amazon someone. Uh, Bottled up how the way we feed babies has come to define motherhood and why it shouldn't. It is nice to know that there is literature out there on formula feeding because there's a lot of literature on sleep training, on, mm-hmm. you know, the whole first year of a baby's life summed up in one book as if that's possible. Right. And, you know, but but this is an important subject to cover and because there's 20 million books on breastfeeding. And it's nice to know that there's at least one book on formula feeding for any parent needs that guidance. Right. And kiddos, don't apologize for that. That's that's something that you did out of love. And I think it's important. That's what we need for each other, especially when we're going through a huge transition is how can I support you? And that really helped you. So of course, you're going to say, hey, this is what helped me. Here you go. And you guys, for those of you who are jumping into this journey or think you're going to do it at some point, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do in your life works. Whatever it is, there are there are plenty of books out there and plenty of podcasts out there and plenty of information to help guide you in whatever way you choose to raise your child. Um, We hope you enjoyed this episode and got as much out of it as we did. We have another great episode coming for you next week. We'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Edited by Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King and advertising partnership with ACAST.